Hello and welcome to Season 2 of The Push Podcast. This is the podcast where we explore the real stories behind what makes entrepreneurs and business owners the successes they are today. I am Jack Ferguson, a small business growth strategist, and I will be your host. I believe the best way to learn and be inspired is to listen to the experiences and stories of those you respect. They're real experiences. They're real story, warts and all. Honest storytelling is what this is all about. Show notes can be found at bethepush.com forward slash podcast. And don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you are listening to this. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. On this episode, I'm fortunate to have a previous guest return for round two. But the impetus for this episode is a little different. Toby Jenkins and I caught up recently and it became clear very quickly that we are in similar situations. Having both gone through big challenges in our businesses and not really knowing what the next step is, I suggested we talk about this on the podcast. Usually you see stories of overcoming hardship floating around on social media, but these stories are often told when there is a happy ending. For Toby and I, the happy ending for our current chapter isn't here just yet. So if nobody else will talk about this situation when things are going poorly, why shouldn't we give it a go? On this episode, we speak about decoupling, what has been waking Toby up in the middle of the night, what recently happened to me that has me in a tailspin, choosing to hit publish on vulnerable content like this episode, trying not to mentally fast forward through crappy times, and how to do the work of defining our values and using them as our North Star. A big thank you to Toby for being so open on this episode. It's not easy to talk about difficult subjects publicly. Let's get started. Okay, so today I'm here with Toby Jenkins. Toby, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much, Jack. Thanks for having me back, mate. It's uh, it's good to have you back. Uh, we spoke five years ago now, roughly five years ago now, if you can believe that. It's amazing when I think about you know how long high school felt mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're back. Then that puts it in context. Yeah. What's interesting about this time is that we caught up a few days ago mm. and thought uh, we're both going through similar challenges with our careers, let's say at the moment, or businesses. Yep. And we thought, why don't we jump on and, and have a chat about it? But mm. uh, we'll start off by talking about how you introduce yourself or how you label yourself Mm. and maybe perhaps you don't label yourself but in my notes here i've got father leadership coach olympian award-winning entrepreneur uh last time you were on the podcast you were ceo of blue wire media which you've since resigned from but prior to talking on this podcast you also said that's things you do but that's not necessarily who you think you are if Mm. i'm if i'm interpreting it correctly (laughs) yeah spot on and it is a challenge, I think. And I guess the way my thinking has evolved around it is actually the separation of who am I um, versus the roles I play. So whether that's husband, father, executive coach, colleague, son, uncle, whatever. There are lots of different roles that I play in life um, in lots of different domains as well. So whether that's across work, I don't know, all, all the relationships and spaces in which I play, health, fitness, whatever. It's actually about... For me, and, and a reasonably recent realization is the separation of who am who am I or who I am, and then how I express that into into whatever domain or situation I'm in, right? And so that's been 
yeah, I'd call it a decoupling of who I am from what I do. And that's been a really interesting journey and, and, and opportunity for reflection because what it allows me to do and what I've found is in defining or you know, finding different ways to define who I am and there are some core questions that I sort of check in on, I get the opportunity to really edit that, I guess is the best way of saying it. Mm-hmm. So I get the chance to have a new version of that each day if I choose or I really hold on to the stuff that um, is useful to me and serves me and then have the opportunity to express that through as many parts of my day as I can. And that's kind of the never-ending challenge right. in a way. You know, for a guy who's pretty – I've certainly had a lot of experience setting goals and chasing them. What I've realized is is the opportunity sort of the never-ending work mm. of being the best of who I am as many times as possible is a really sort of fulfilling one okay. slash daunting one at right. the same time. Um, but – yeah, but it also allows the room for failure somehow as well. Or, but, but the opportunity then to come back again the next day and go mm-hmm. again. Makes sense. And what triggered this idea that you needed to do this decoupling? Yeah, it probably was from work. So over the last couple of months, sort of towards the tail end of last year and then into early this year, I was just experiencing some pretty strange stuff for me which was waking up at 3am um, repeatedly I'd had a, a lot going on but I was just sort of waking up at this time all the time you know heart rate elevated one morning I woke up crying there was sort of this what felt like a really physiological response mm. and even sort of this metallic taste in my mouth um, going on at the time too to what just didn't seem to stack up and so yeah, in terms of what was going on in my life at the time, I you know I'd had you know a hamstring injury from you know, a forty-two-year-old trying to take up karate a year ago, okay. but that had taken ages to rehab. My business partner and I in North were considering raising money to, and we were building out the plan to really go and build a tech product. And this is the most recent company. This is the most recent in. company. Yep. Yeah, although there are heaps of pl- parallels as well back to um, Blue Wire as well. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, ultimately what I realized when it came down to it was I was I was just really invested in work. I'd gone all in for three years and loved the work that we were doing really with this view all along the whole journey to like, let's see if we can build a product here. And just ultimately sort of this physiological response was around, yeah, I just couldn't, couldn't sort of unpack it. It didn't seem to stack up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... But then going through that sooner or later, you know, the, this sort of sensation of pressure building over time and then the realisation ultimately that it was about actually me leaving the second company I'd started right. <laughs> and, and just realising, I guess, how vested I had been as a person mm. and my identity in work in that company and how hard it had then been to really objectively see what was going on for me, what was going on for the company and then having to make that call to sort of leave. Yeah, it was really, um, yeah, I felt super attached to that, right? right? And so in the process of doing that, I I sort of realized that I could come back to who I was and that in fact, in in a lot of ways that hadn't changed. (laughs) I'd probably clarified a few things in, in that process and then... Yeah, the reinvention part in this latest transition anyway, um, as there have been many, as everyone has, has been 
if I come back to who I am and then figure out how I can express that, then that's going to be, that will be an interesting exploration, right? Um, right. And then hopefully I can, you know, bring the best version of me to whatever it is and and also kind of test and learn along the way, mm. but intentionally rather than sort of by default or right, yeah. um, by accident. So, yeah. Makes sense. Uh, I'm just trying to picture what was what was wrong. Like, why were you having these reactions? Do you think you're saying because you weren't being true to your values or something like that, or what was the what was causing you to to get up at three a.m. and to to have these challenges? Yeah, I mean, I was just getting up at three was often going to work on the business plan and really chasing after that and trying to dig into that on this assumption that it was the business plan's fault, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but ultimately the, de- the decision was, and, and I was you know, looking around everywhere and talking to people and talking with my business partner to try to like, try to understand what was going on and why I was feeling this way and what have you. And, but all of that was external to the fact that, and it, and it was only sort of half an hour before, and I, I've shared this in a blog post, but it was only half an hour really before a conversation with my business partner that I realized that Actually, you know, me leaving was actually completely in keeping that that the resignation was about me going to forge my own path ultimately, Mm -hmm. really. And so what does that look like? I didn't know. Um, I'm currently in exploration mode, (laughs) as we've spoken about. Yeah, SMI. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, it wasn't because there was something better to grab onto necessarily, Mm -hmm. but just a real clarity. And, And as I've gone through the highs and lows of, that almost the consequences of that decision, I guess, in terms of my emotional excitement about it or uncertainty around it and, you know, the rebuild process. Mm-hmm. I keep coming back to that decision and it's like a Tibetan gong, right? It's like this sort of ding. Mm-hmm. And there's a real serenity and peace in that decision to step away and try to yeah, forge my own path, whatever that, that even looks like, mm-hmm. which, which is exploration mode, right. as I say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, super exciting. And, and maybe it, gives, it helps to give a bit more context around, you know, the who I am piece, because for me, that's, I've written down, you know, my purpose now. And I edit that. I, I actually recently edited that probably about 10 days ago to be, you know, to help people bring all of who they are to everything they do. Yeah, and that was a change up. I can't even remember what the previous version was. I have my values there, which is love, gratitude, strength. Uh, sorry, love, gratitude, humility, exploration, and contribution. And so, and I also have a vision there around you know how can I impact people and what legacy will I leave and how I earn respect and build trust and all that sort of stuff. And all of that then becomes an internal compass for me to navigate the current uncertainty really so does does this allow me is this an opportunity to express those things or not um this is thank you mate (laughs) um which is really cool and and then if i'm going to then how do i do that and that's really where you know values become really important to the expression so it's not just what we do it's how we do it as Mm. well and if you can bring your values into your actions then you know that's where you see people really in my executive coaching role i see Mm. people really change their behavior around that um, as well as really light up because it gives them a path to almost like an antidote to regret is one way i would phrase it right yeah so if i can yeah. live my values then i probably won't regret what i what whatever mm. it is that i do next yes and if i'm uncertain about the outcome and i can't control someone else's response or i can't control the situation then if i can be true to sort of 
this definition of who I am and values being a part of that and purpose and stuff, then chances are I'm not going to regret it, right? Yeah. Um, so that's where that sort of documentation, where I found it really useful to get into this sort of almost a daily practice of just checking in on these things. Mm-hmm. Certainly happens in the work day because that's where I put it in my workspace. Okay. And yeah, and so how do I check in on that? Only takes a minute, maybe less, mm-hmm. 30 seconds, and then sort of use that as my... This is my next version. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so let's bring that into today and see how it goes. Right. And when you check in on those values, do you find yourself, when you've come into this uncertainty, are you checking in on them more or less than you would have been, say, three months ago when you were you were trying to grow this other business? I assume you were still trying to grow the other business at that yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. I was checking on them. Absolutely. Was it with the same level of intentionality? Perhaps right. not. Okay. So I, I have a bit of a, again, <laughs> a little ritual for myself where each morning the first glass of water, I will just sort of say my values to myself, like okay. really hold the cup, say my values to myself and then drink the water. Pretty sort of innocuous thing, probably five seconds or less, 10 seconds. And I was doing that each day, but it is different to then put in front of me my values, my purpose, to have this vision that I'd articulated and that the, the real crux, I think, that is different for me this time around in terms of this as a practice or a you know, ritualized practice, really, is that it is editable. Okay. So I use Notion as my tool as a workspace, but it doesn't really matter. It can go in a phone or anywhere. Mm-hmm. But the, I think what happens with a lot of this stuff is that the risk is that you do a vision exercise or a values exercise and it sits in a, in a cupboard on a shelf or whatever sits in a notebook somewhere buried we've all done that yeah absolutely (laughs) the other thing is this assumption that even in that exercise that you you, you're trying to get it perfect and i think that's that's the part that i'm i feel has been a really big shift for me having it in an editable space means i've particularly at the moment as i'm going through this change i find myself editing it nearly most days or particularly so maybe the first same sort of six to eight weeks past that original decision the first four to five weeks i was editing sentences every day or highlight stuff and just flag it and say oh i might revisit that and come back to it but what i'm yeah kind of that editability means that i i have the choice and it actually allows you to get that sort of Oh, I don't know, like in, in a Buddhist kind of sense, you know, the observing self perspective or this comes up in all sorts of spiritual practices as well is like how do you take the observing self and, and see who you are as separate from who you are and see the whole context of who mm-hmm. you are. And so I, I, I find that really useful. And mm-hmm. then to take that into, you know, back to, sorry, this is a long-winded way to yeah, say yeah, how do yeah. you introduce yourself, right? <laughs> um but to then take that back into how am I as a dad? Who do I want to be as a dad? Who do I want to be as a husband? Who do I want to be as a colleague or a coach? Or And how do I bring this to life in this conversation? That's sort of the, the never-ending challenge plus yeah. the kind of exciting part of it too, right? Yeah, all, absolutely. All for me. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I find the editability part interesting. And I have done some stuff on values recently myself in the last, say, six months. Part of the attraction for me was reducing the number of decisions I had to make because you got this vision. It's a framework. It was yep. a framework to operate within. But if I'm editing it, then I'm changing the framework all the time. That's when I, when I hear that editability, that's what, where my mind actually went mm. when you were talking about it. Interesting. 
and it's making me think I'm probably too rigid with, with the way I approach it. Well, I don't know that you'd be alone in that sort of concern with it, right? I had a similar conversation, similar sort of challenge, I guess, around the value stuff and how, how often do you change values or do you change values and that sort of thing. The way I, the way I think about editability is less around changing the goalposts, which maybe is, oh, you're just changing the goalposts so you can feel good about yourself. <laughs> um, um, more around refinement. Mm, okay. So how do you, or how do, how do I, I think about it as how I cut away. So what, what serves me here and what, what is truly, what truly matters to me mm-hmm. and how can I get clearer and clearer on what truly matters to me. Okay. And so... Yeah, even reflecting on that editing process, it's probably been cutting words away right? rather than additive or changing sentences to be more the kind of language that I really connect to Mm, and that I speak to. And so that's where I find the editability is, and and again, you know, in a coaching context, values emerge, they're like an emergent property. They're not something that someone else drums into you when when we talk about it, it's, often about how do you cut it, cut away the stuff that's not serving you and be left with the stuff that really matters to you mm. and values are a part of that and make sure you're connecting back to that and guiding yourself by importance rather than something that you necessarily wrote two years ago that is that actually still important? That's, yeah. that's, that's actually the okay. question I want to check yeah, sure. each day is, is this still really important to me? And if it is, then cool. If it's not, then it needs adjustment. Sure. Yeah. Okay. The refinement, that's really interesting. And when you're talking about cutting things away, I go back to our, our last podcast. And, and one of the things you spoke about on that was when you transitioned from having the agency that you owned mm. uh, to stop doing client work, essentially, and doing then doing more educational stuff. Mm. And you talked about cutting away like 97% there. You're mm. talking about in this thing about cutting a lot of these things away from your values, the words that, that aren't contributing and the the parts that don't resonate with you anymore mm. and i wanted to talk to you about this on this podcast because as you're you do some coaching but i started coaching this week like mm. getting coaching for the first time mm. and and a lot of it was cutting away stuff mm. and i knew that in theory but I, I couldn't see it for whatever reason but i'm just seeing this theme of cutting away and refining to get down to just the things that are, are most important so one reflection from a mate of mine who was one of the very first people I ever took through a, you know, a coaching process. Yeah. <laughs> he knows who he is. But he said to me, you know, three years later, mate, you know, be, you know, be, be aware, be kind to yourself now that, you know, decisions you made three years ago are very different to, you know, don't judge yourself by, don't judge your 39-year-old self by your 42-year-old self essentially was what right. he was saying. And he said, you've changed a lot. And I've said, well, actually, just to clarify that, I feel like I've become more of who I am. Mm, okay. And so, in that sort of context, I feel it's... So, that yeah, it's, it's not changing away, it's changing towards, if that makes sense, mm. um, more of who you are. Mm-hmm. And if you can bring that, again, you know, back to the thing that I feel really purposeful about at the moment. If you can bring all of who you are to the table mm. um, and, yeah, 
into as many moments as possible, then mm. you know, you're really bringing the best of yourself. And so that's why it is probably a cutting away process. A mm. lot of, you know, nearly always actually. I'm, I can't think of a single example actually where it was something new. Yeah. Even to the stuff that energizes you or nourishes you, right? Most often it's going back to the things that you used to do mm. and bringing that back into play because somehow it's been covered in the dross of daily life. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, or the conflicting forces that inevitably yep. come in from the outside, the externalities. But it's, it's, not, it's not easy. It's not easy, necessarily easy work, but it's super rewarding, I find. Mm. Yeah. And, and so when you are helping someone bring all of themselves to what they do, when you're talking about performance, uh, individual, let's say, capability or individual circumstances, what do you, whatever you want to call it, versus the environment you're in. Mm-hmm. So, someone might listen to this and go, yeah, I'd love to bring all, all, my, all I can to this situation, but the environment's X, Y, Z, and it's really difficult to, to do that. And every time I try to do that, I get shut down or it's not listened to or uh, there's some other outcome. Mm. that happens that I don't appreciate. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I mean, the reality is that, you know, I think it's been super, you know, really highlighted in these last couple of years, right? COVID, you know, more recently floods, the Ukraine. You know, there, there are some some serious suffering going on in the world around all of this stuff. And if you think of all of these externalities that are going on, there's nothing I can do about that other than choose how I respond. So how can I, and, and you know, again, it was a conversation I was having with some leaders today, given everything on your plate, I don't know your plate, right? Mm. I actually can't help you even navigate the specifics of your experience, but I can help you, I, th- I think, help you explore who you are and how you choose to respond and where that comes from. Acceptance is a really interesting concept too around accepting that stress and pressure and externalities are the price you know they're the price of life they're the price of entry really we can't change them you know they're going to keep coming there'll be COVID 23 or whatever it is you know the next version there's a new strain out now but i can choose how i respond and actually that's the only thing that i have a choice around really Mm -hmm. because i can't influence those things but i can have a crack at being who i want to be in that situation with the people that matter to me into all the various environments that i operate in and so what you're kind of doing is bringing the locus of control internally to, okay, well, what are my values and how do I, if we can accept that that is actually what the world is like rather than fighting against the world all the time. And actually, you know, we just did the mindfulness choice, mindfulness exercise before we jumped on this, but mm-hmm. mindfulness is the opportunity then is to scalpel in the toolkit to, to separate between I will have a reaction to externals so I will get angry or I will get frustrated or I'll get sad or I'll get whatever. But mindfulness is a scalpel that sits between that and how I choose to respond. So it's, we can't stop the reaction, can't stop it. All we can do is choose how we respond. And, and this sort of speaks back to Stoicism, Buddhism, like a lot of these ancient spiritual traditions are really big on acceptance as a tool. Modern day science is absolutely validating that as don't try to change your thinking and your thoughts. Don't try to think positive. Accept that as... Sorry. 
Except that. Except that the phone's Except buzzing. Except the phone keeps buzzing. <laughs> especially once you've turned it all off and put it on airplane mode. Except that it's buzzing. But then be mindful in what you choose to do next. And, that, and that's where being... So if you visualize a triangle, which comes out of act so acceptance commitment training for me i'm not a psychologist or therapy if you're a psychologist really what you're looking at is if you visualize that triangle in the bottom left of that triangle there's acceptance at the top of the triangle is mindfulness at the bottom right of the triangle is do what matters and this is the sort of evidence base that that underpins a concept called psychological flexibility but it's really the idea that Accept your reaction and your emotional response, which you can't control, and accept the externalities that the world will be what the world is. It's not fair. It's um, Mm -hmm. inequitable in all sorts of ways. So we accept that, but then we use mindfulness as the tool to come back to, well, what what is my behavior going to be? What matters to me? And how do I move towards what matters to me? And so that's where that example of how I sort of define myself is really in part a definition of what matters. Yep. And now I have to go do that because it's, it's, not just, it's not just doing something. It's doing what matters mm. and that implies prioritization. It implies importance and people will embrace, not just endure suffering, but embrace suffering in, in, the, in, the, in service of what matters to them. And so that's where clarity around what's important mm-hmm. is, is critical. Mm-hmm. And then mindfulness is a practice. So then you can catch yourself. Um, and acceptance that this stuff is going to happen yep. <laughs> and will keep happening. Right. And it's kind of the price of entry to anything interesting. Right. So, you know, we don't get anxious about putting toast in the toaster, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Because it's not important. But it's difficult to have that hard conversation with a peer or hard conversation with direct report, hard conversation to with the person above me in the org structure or, you know, the hard conversation with my wife or with my children or that's where... The challenge lies and knowing that it's hard in advance, knowing that you'll feel uncomfortable about that, being mindful enough to try to then be the person you want to be in that conversation or the next and how you deliver the questions or the response or that sort of stuff. So it's a continual practice of that. Yeah, right. There's just so many things coming to my mind. I'm trying to think of what to, yeah, what to, what to ask about next. But I suppose one thing that was interesting to me is you've written a couple of blog post recently um the mirror is the hardest place to look yep and went around filling the void and i was curious why you chose to do that why did you choose to be so open about the challenges you've had recently Hmm. because i think the fear for a lot of people certainly the fear for me in situations like this is you will hurt your chances of doing business with people in the future if you expose your vulnerabilities or if you expose mm. for me i think it is i feel like it's a lack of competence in the situation i'm going through which isn't the same as yours mm-hmm. but similar type of thing and that's why i i went to write a post the other day on social media talking about this and talking mm. about how you know what we talk about it when the happy endings yeah happened and i could delay this post for another six months and I could talk about how bad it was then and how good I am now. (laughs) But we don't kind of document it when it's actually happening. Mm. And I didn't end up posting it actually. I Mm. I did write it, but for some reason I didn't post it. But you have chosen to post it 
mm. now while things are, are tough. Hmm. Yeah, I think in part it's because these are the conversations that I think the world needs. Mm. Yeah. And I really had to, it, it was hard to hit publish on those mm. um, because I felt really exposed. The feedback has been been really lovely. People expressing gratitude for being as honest as I was. Others challenging me on are you oversharing and, and why this amount. Okay. Um, so, you did actually get that from some people. Yep. Okay. Yep. And when I came back to it, really, I, you know, the, the response has been, well, it's, it's because I, I feel these are the conversations that really need to be had and I think that are getting avoided. And I think if... If I feel that's important, then I have to leave the. I, I have to, you know, really walk my own talk, and and that's really important to me is that I live and breathe what I believe in. Well, not even believe in, but I, I just think is necessary. So, yeah, definitely felt exposed. I was really trying hard to make sure I hadn't overshared. Like the, the so in those posts, I've really I've wanted to be very real but also then focus on the lessons learned. And so that's where my focus is, Mm -hmm. which is it's not just vulnerability for vulnerability's sake, it's vulnerability to learn. Right. And to be honest, mate, I've learned so much just writing them for myself Mm -hmm. that if no one ever saw them, it would be really valuable. So the fact that Mm -hmm. you've written your own post is actually a super valuable process in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a great quote from a... American sort of philosopher, educator, a guy called John Dewey that I really, I love the quote, which is, we don't learn from experience, we learn from reflection on experience. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's really true. Yeah. Uh, or certainly it's been a pattern that's played out for me in lots of different domains, actually. Um, but yeah, and, and I just thought, well, I felt compelled to write it, felt very exposed, felt it was too important not to hit publish. And then I said to Luce, my wife, in that afternoon, I was like, oh, my God, I feel exposed. Yeah, <laughs> I've yeah. been feeling exposed all day. And, yeah, there's been some lovely feedback. There's been a bunch of people, you know, I've also heard through others that have said, oh, is Toby okay? Like, mm. is he all right? <laughs> I've had mm. friends' mums calling them to say, have you spoken to Toby lately? So, yeah, there's, there is that risk and but I also feel like that that's what it's about, right? It's, right. Is how, do, how do we work with uncertainty? How do we work mm. with stress and pressure? And how do, what are the lessons to learn? And that's why I sort of chose to start the documentation process really kind of sooner rather than later. And I still feel like it really clear that it was a super positive outcome for me, mm. actually. And I, I am also personally deeply against the highlight reel. Um, I just don't think that's where people really learn. You can, you know, you can have success, but not really know why. Whereas, if you <laughs> if things are not going so well, you can often point exactly to why. Yeah, yeah um, true. Yeah, this is a guy again. Another author I love is a guy called Nassim Nicholas Taleb, who wrote The Black Swan and Anti Fragile and all that sort of stuff. And he sort of talks about this idea that knowledge learned from failure is better. I can't quite remember what the what the term is, but sort of more valuable than knowledge learned from success, where causality is sort of less direct. Okay, right. That might be getting a bit esoteric. Yeah, that makes <laughs> but, that makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you talk about hitting publish, and, and that was the that was the moment I got up to, 
and it's not a technically difficult thing to hit publish, right? <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's, it's so easy. It's a click of a button. But but that's where I got to, and I didn't click it. Mm. And it's it's strange for me. I, I look at it now, though. I don't actually really regret not doing it when you're talking about how valuable the process was just to write it. Mm. I just felt, and it might sound like an excuse, but it, I just felt like the moment had passed. Mm. I, I, I said, oh, I'm going to do this tomorrow or I'm going to do this in two days. I can't remember what the... Yep. What the... Uh, my commitment I made was, mm. but then it got there and I was just, eh, I'm not feeling it anymore sort yep. of, but it was, it was more indifference than, than it was fear. Yep. Whereas, and I felt it was a bit fake for me because when I did write it, I was feeling those emotions and I was feeling that stuff. Mm. But then when I went to publish it, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I don't feel like this. Yeah, right. <laughs> And if, and if anyone's wondering my situation at the moment, basically, we connected over the fact that we both have exited from things recently. I was going to join a company as a CMO and as a director and uh, shareholder, and that fell through a couple of months ago. But I mm. stopped everything else, basically, to, to get this together. Oh, and, and uh, yeah, then had to out of it unfortunately mm. um, it was my choice and and i don't regret it but it, it does leave you all of a sudden in that world of okay well what now mm. i don't have a, a backup plan really but i did i did know that it was the right decision to not do it and i just thought to myself i'm gonna i'm gonna get through this uncertainty somehow mm. and i will but now's the time when I'm going through those things as well. Like I can, I can, I'm trying not to fast forward three months and say, oh, I'll be happy then. Yep. Yeah. Just say, <laughs> yeah. Because that's when, that's when people talk about it, when it's, oh, went through this and now it's all fine and dandy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And look, I th- yeah, I think the, the, again, the only antidote to that is, is to, or look in the mirror really mm-hmm. and then figure out, you know, so so the questions I would typically use to to get somewhere really far, like to, to get to a definition of who you are really quickly or as quickly as possible, um, it's an exercise I'm planning to share at some point anyway, which is essentially what are your values? What is your purpose? Um, what energizes you? What drains you? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are you interested in? What would you do willingly for free? Do you have a vision? Maybe. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty good starting point, right? Mm. And if you document that and give yourself less than three minutes per question, right? then in half an hour, you have a working version. Mm-hmm. And that is where the editability comes in. Right. Which is start there. Hopefully, yeah, as I say, in less than half an hour, you've got something to start with, like the anchor, right? Mm. For the uncertainty. And you just go. Is it important to do it that fast? Yes and no. Okay. You can take your time with it for sure. Mm. What I find with most people is that going zero to one on a draft is really hard. Uh, okay, yeah. So a blank page is incredibly intimidating. Yeah, right. And therefore, the other thing that shows up is perfectionism. Mm. And so there's a need to get, oh, what is my purpose? Perfect. Before I actually commit to anything. Mm. What are my values? Oh, God. Um, hang on. I better go do, you know, I don't know what. 
really, but a, you know, a values-finding exercise. And all those things are really valuable, but you don't necessarily need them as a precondition to getting started. Right. So if, you know, you know what is a vision? Well, there are a million vision builders in the world. You know, mm-hmm. go build one or, yep. you know, what energizes you, what drains you. And really, the other thing I find is often people have immediate responses that are really close to right mm-hmm. because sort of that intuition takes over mm-hmm. and so a tight time box actually can be really useful yeah <laughs> constraint yeah. but then you've got a draft and if you get it to a daily practice which is where all of the value lies in this stuff anyway right there's no vision in the world that if it sits off in a cupboard or is perfectly drafted or crafted it's of absolutely no value if it doesn't get into your daily practice mm. If you're not guiding your life and your decisions by it, then there's no value in it mm-hmm. or very little, hugely diminished, even though it might like the residue, residue sort of thing of that yep. might continue with you. So, yeah, my, my preference is how do you get to a draft mm-hmm. very quickly and then how do you get to a practice that looks like less than three minutes a day? because the bar's got to be set so low you can't fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then go. Yep. And then re-correct, refine, you know, continue to correct course, trial and error, which is how life works anyway. Mm -hmm. Test stuff when the pressure's really on, see how you go, see what really nourishes you, what really drains you, you know, Mm -hmm. what your values might actually be. Yeah. Um, And then you've got got something to work with, right? Yeah. Because how do you make progress right now Mm -hmm. versus... It's the old adage of, uh, you know, a good plan executed today is better than a perfect plan executed tomorrow, mm. right? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it is, but some sort of military context there. Yep. But you're better off having something to start guiding and then working with yep. and then testing and refining based on feedback from life, you know, yeah, from yeah. everything, not just from people. But um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting you talk about that because one of the questions I wanted to ask you in this interview was around how you've changed your view of executions everything to being someone who's more strategy plus execution Mm. and i'm hearing what i'm hearing now almost feels in contrast to that but uh, i'd love for you to explain how you've come to that point because i actually have too and if you do spend a lot of time around startups like i did when i was a little younger still a little bit to this day but it's it's very far in the execution it, it you know it's tipped so far to execution that probably in my opinion even for a startup it's almost too far yep. <laughs> you still have to think a bit about some stuff you do mm. but <laughs> uh how did you change from being someone who thought execution's everything to being someone who thinks it it's that you do need strategy plus execution. Mm. And how does that tie into what you've just spoke about there? Yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's a great call out, mate, because suddenly makes me question the, the process. But I, I do think if you can make some progress by getting a draft in half an hour, say, mm-hmm. then, and you can see some progress, then you can invest further into what's really working for me and yeah and and i don't know how strategic do you need to be with yourself is probably another question Mm -hmm. in how you express it for sure and in business definitely right really knowing 
yeah, you know, knowing your landscape, knowing your competitors, knowing how you're different, knowing your business model, yep. is the idea sound, is there a big enough market for this, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and kind of that strategic process of, okay, well, how does that then, what do I need to do first and how does that affect my prioritization? Right. Certainly. So, has so that it's been a different. more in business that that mindset's changed as opposed to your personal life? Um, I think the other way I would relate that actually is just the pause. So, um, which is where mindfulness comes in as well. And if I think back to, yeah, the pause to, and be, but pausing is often uncomfortable, right? So mindfulness or because it it means you have to actually sit with the uncertainty or what have you. So the pause or or that strategic piece would be how I would sort of frame it in this instance. Say so, okay, well, and so you know, do what matters. What matters? You need mm. to at least begin to have an understanding of what matters. Mm. You know, to then do what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's how I'd sort of see that. So the strategic part for me is actually the work of a pause mm. to actually have a look around, take stock, and then decide what you're going to execute on. Um, so that's probably where the strategy yeah. plus the execution stuff comes okay. in for me. Makes perfect sense. You know, I'll make better choices. Yeah. By taking my values or vision or that sort of definition of self or however you want to frame that um, into the next step mm-hmm. and making sure that I'm actually assessing stuff against that criteria. Yeah. Not just doing things for doing sake. Mm-hmm. And, and this probably speaks to that sort of filling of the void, right? Yeah. It's so tempting to just fill the void with whatever's next mm. versus mm. what really matters to me and how can I sort of take that into what what happens next. Yeah. And I think that was what was so in, interesting about one of your posts as well is you talked about working for 11 years to become an Olympian mm. and then you make it to the Olympics and all that, and which is amazing achievement. And you talked about the high of that mm. lasted for about three weeks. Yeah, which I, I wouldn't even say the high. Like well, the high was well, the, the opening ceremony and the closing right. ceremony, probably, and and some of the games in between. Yeah. But the contentment afterwards, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or possibly relief. Yeah. Um, wow, that's mm. done. Mm. Yeah, about three weeks. But there is the uh, that sip on the cocktails on the beach type of vision that or dream that's sold to some people that you know once we just achieve this thing we can have all this money and the rest we, is done right? we just sit on the beach and yeah order the cocktails in in the um pool bar or whatever mm. it is we're gonna do mm. but uh yeah that was really fascinating in that article that yeah three weeks mm. three weeks and then you're yeah. wanting to and you're on to, to do something thing. else yeah yeah i mean yeah as, as i i've virtually dismissed it might be a bit bit too much but i feel like that's sort of what i did came mm-hmm. home and just got on with building blue wire or mm-hmm. what turned out to be blue wire didn't know what it was but you know three weeks later was sitting down around a table with a couple of mates and having a crack at what might be a business right and yeah that, <laughs> at that point we were we had the options on the table were um bungee trampolines clean skin wines promotional products so branded promotional products or websites mm. yeah 
Boy, I'm pretty glad out of those four options <laughs> we chose the latter in the end because that's been... There's some good strategy. <laughs> good decision. <laughs> Pure luck, mate. No strategy there. Um, but, you know, the strategy was, oh, I don't think this web thing's going to go away. And if mm. worse comes to worse, we can always find people with poor mm. websites and knock on doors and see if they'd, if they'd buy from us. But, yeah, it, you know, it, it was straight into that. And, yeah. and I was actually... You know, almost anxious about the fact that, well, what was going to fill this void for me? I've spent 11 years of my life like yeah. all in on this water polo mm. thing. What was going to take its place? And so I filled it. And I enjoyed that journey and really loved it. But yeah, I, I do think as I, you know, have gone through other transitions, the ability to connect back to values and, and kind of understand a bit more about who I am and, and what I want to bring into the world means that I can do this stuff a bit more by design, particularly this time around by design rather than by default. And so that excites me. It's like, you know, real intentionality where I, I would say the Olympics I almost fell into. You know, right. got inspired by, you know, the awesome foursomes coming to school to yep. share some stories. Loved water polo. And so just, yeah, chased it. And yeah, had amazing experiences in the process. But it um, certainly felt like, something I fell into as opposed to now I feel like it's far more choiceful right. somehow, yeah. um, which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And how'd you go with, I'd be curious with the identity changes over time. Mm. Did you feel that you had, you're an Olympian and then you were a business owner and then you were an owner of, you know, and that was a marketing business and then you've been a coaching business. Mm. I know you're talking about values, but I got a question around identity, did you, were those identity changes easy for you? Did you even see them as identity changes? Hmm. I think I did. I, I always felt like my parents were really big on me studying, for instance. So they weren't going to let me just go all in on water polo, yeah. particularly through high school and stuff. And after high school, it became a bit more free for all. But I, I was always interested in other stuff. I, I never, I've, I've never really been one who wanted to be a particular... Like I've sort of kicked back against labels a bit um, and, and have always enjoyed diversity of what I read, what I study, what I've explored. I've always enjoyed that. And, and, and in part, that's part of what I'm loving about this writing process and stuff at the moment and the storytelling is that it allows me to bring in stuff around <laughs> Buddhism or educational quotes or wh- whatever it is, right? Like all this stuff that I find really fascinating, mm-hmm. I get to express. And so, and I guess that's in part why going back to toby jenkins as a as a business is actually really exciting because it Mm. helps me it means i can just be myself and i don't have to fit into a label right of any description it just happens to be lots of different things that i enjoy and i'm interested in and playing out the various roles as well of course Um, so yeah still with being a coach and still you know dad and a husband and all those sorts of things but it is um it's the all of those things that and bring all of it together and kind of an integration of those things that I really love as mm-hmm. well um, rather than trying to compartmentalize this part over here and that part over there and mm. work is work and life is life mm. or some other sort of sense of that. Yeah. That's hard to do, hey. <laughs> Integration? No, no, no. To the compartmentalize. Separate, the compartmentalizing. Oh, I, think I think it's a complete myth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sooner or later the rest of it will come in yeah, yeah <laughs> wherever yeah. you're focusing you can't, you can't exclude it yeah yeah 
Okay. Is my opinion. Anyway. I feel called out right now. <laughs> well, you can for a time, <laughs> yeah. but not forever. Oh, I've yeah. tried it for a while. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like, this is the business, Jack. This is the personal, Jack. But uh, it's, it's effort. It's actually a lot of mm. effort I've found to do that, to, to play that, put on that mask and then put on this mask. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a bit... Uh, yeah, it's draining for mm. me anyway. Yeah, I have found and experienced the same for yeah. sure. And when you talk about going all in, this is the other thing that I wanted to talk about on this episode because recently I was going to go all in with this mm. other business venture mm. as well. And mm. it was all I could think about from, say, November, maybe mid-November to probably the end of January and I'm not exaggerating it was I woke up I was thinking about it mm. I was I spent most of that time in a uh, well, my head was in the clouds type of situation I just wasn't really present at all mm. I was just thinking about this thing and I wasn't I almost couldn't break that I, I couldn't I, I was I was aware that it was happening but I couldn't bring myself back to the present easily at all mm. because what i was doing was i was i was planning this doing this five-year plan right and i was trying to my brain's trying to go through all these variables mm. that whole time and my theory i guess is that there's a cognitive cost to that so while my brain's trying to chug along and and take into consideration all this stuff th- that cost me the present <laughs> I guess was how it felt and, and I don't regret doing it and that's where this I've never done something like that before I've never tried to put together a, a somewhat detailed plan hmm. knowing that it's not going to go exactly to plan but doing it for the value of doing it and the fact that you have thought through a lot of things hmm. and it was a it was a bigger business so it wasn't like a startup it was it was bigger so but but I found with that, so that was this concept of going all in for me. And I, I didn't have a problem with doing that. And I have not had a problem with going all in ever, really, in my past when it comes to businesses. But the part I find really hard is going all in and feeling good about it. <laughs> and uh, that was a big lesson for me because when what I put together and all the vision that I had and that wasn't received well necessarily or wasn't oh, I thought it was great but mm. not everyone else did that was that made me feel like shit mm. <laughs> for mm. a while yep but and I was happy to go all in on this thing but uh, but I've always struggled to to feel good about it what's your experience with that like you've you're someone who's achieved a lot you've probably been able to go all in yourself and you have gotten all in a few times yeah, going going all in doesn't guarantee success, right? Mm. You know, I think of the Olympic journey, and and you know, I consider myself one of the extremely lucky ones, or not 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 lucky. You know, like don't get me wrong, I worked really hard and set the goals and did everything I could to be there. So, well, fortunate in lots of ways, like to be the one who actually becomes the Olympian. There, there are a lot of people who don't. For everyone who does, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who were willing to work as hard as I was and, and all that sort of stuff but still didn't make it, if not harder. You know, they, they were absolutely prepared to go all in and did go all in and still didn't get there. I don't know that you can, you know, something like an Olympics or, or even like a business plan, right? I don't know that if you're not prepared to go all in, then 
without that, do you really guarantee yourself or, or do you give yourself the best chance of success or not? Probably not. And, you know, again, I witnessed that along the way as well where people weren't prepared to and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. Actually, actually really important because if you're not prepared to, then it's probably not the right place to be, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're, and I see that a fair bit too where people are sitting in places where workplaces or, or whatever it is where they're no longer all in or, you know, where once upon a time they're really connected to what they're doing and why they're doing it and all that sort of stuff. And then that gets lost sight of and actually they're prepared to, you know, really walk away from stuff. But then sometimes if they reconnect to why this is important, the exact same circumstances Mm. get turned into from a I'm leaving this business to a I'm actually going to go and grow this business because now I realize the opportunity to actually serve what truly matters to me. And so I would say in that instance that the willingness to go all in, the price of that is that you might fail or, and, and fail only in so much as you didn't get the outcome, right? Yeah. But actually, you know, then the reflection then on that is like, what did you learn in the process, Jack? What would you do differently next time? Are you asking me? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. Absolutely. Uh, what would I do differently next time? I, I think the mistakes were made a long time beforehand. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, I don't know if I'd change anything about that process, about putting together that plan, but yep. I would... I'd try and, I try and... Deep down, I probably knew the respect wasn't quite there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't disrespect, but it wasn't probably not the respect you needed in a you know, three-team director ship situation yep so i would probably try and address that earlier i would set better expectations when i first started consulting because that's that set poor expectations then and even though i did a good job of something later on it the expectations i'd set before that interfered Mm -hmm. it was a bit like well why wasn't this done before Mm -hmm. (laughs) which i didn't think that i'd promise but that wasn't other people's perception yep that's a few things off the top of my head and and really then what do you do with those lessons right uh, and i guess this is where i sort of feel like bringing all of who you are to everything you do is is the reflection process allows you to unpack the lessons and then bring them into the next thing without the judgment of saying oh if i'd done this three years ago which doesn't serve it's completely doesn't it's not useful process right to Mm. say oh i finally i'd made this decision three years ago well you weren't you three years ago yeah but you can carry the lessons into whatever comes next to either maximize chance of success or mitigate chances of not getting the outcome you want or you know selecting for a different directorship group so it's actually that's where i think the going all in means that you've really vested your time and then you can extract some amazing lessons from that Mm mm-hmm and so that's where I think the the value or the willingness to do that is really it's a vulnerable place to play mm. to go all in um, really vulnerable and then but it's also the you know the opportunity for growth too I think mm-hmm. and the learning curve can be really steep right yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and so sort of back to that acceptance piece is like well actually. I did, I did everything I could on, on this round. I'll do different things differently next time. I've learned a lot. Time to not, not even necessarily move forward, but really like embed those lessons or yeah. 
where do I keep them? So then next time I do, I've got them at hand. And your uh, framework that you sent through was really valuable for that. You've oh, got a five reflection framework. framework. So if anyone wants that, they can go. That's on your website, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and look, I mean, they're not my reflection frameworks. <laughs> they're they're just ones that I found useful. Yeah. Um, so anything from yeah after action reviews from the military and SES and those sorts of services to Scrum methodology for retros and and that really basic one of what energizes you, what what drains you, mm. I find can be really telling because you can chase it you can really double down on the energy in order to yeah max you know really really get into it and and feel like you can go back all in again sometime Mm -hmm. Um, yeah now and if anyone wanted to grab that though they are all on the one spot so just toby Mm. tobyajenkins.com i believe is the the website (laughs) that's the one just to make sure that uh, people can grab it if they they want to grab it but yeah i've got another question if you've Mm. still got some time sure have and we can wrap up then but just to wrap up what we've spoken about, uh, you, you talked about, well, you didn't talk about, you told me off air about perseverance and grit, how they can be toxic mm. if not done in the service of something important. Mm. And maybe I'm thinking we can, we can finish the podcast there on that, on that concept, which I think, I think brings and summarizes everything we've, We've spoken about mm. somewhat together, but I guess I'm just probably interested in an example. Like, have you seen a case? Is a couple of cases come to mind where you have seen perseverance, grit, and these things that are celebrated, and, and how they are toxic? It's a good question. Um, I think I, right, yeah. The risk here is it gets generic, right? But you see people really persisting with, a, say, a job where they are paying a really hefty price for staying and it can be glorified as persistence and grit but the opportunity cost of that, like in terms of health, in terms of their ability to be present, um, in terms of really doing what matters to them, and which which is different, right? To to I'm not sort of referencing your experience because you know sometimes to go all in that's that's what happens and mm-hmm. okay, but it's sort of the the persisting for persisting sake, having lost sight of what's important here. I just see people really suffering from it, and it's and and perhaps it's just because of the context that I'm often in, you know, as a coach or whatever that I see it in work a lot. It might be that. They need to come back to what matters and then they stay. Like sort of that example I gave mm-hmm, before, mm-hmm. yeah, of yeah, business owner. Yeah. Just persisting and really exhausted, cooked, considering leaving, really just fed up and really – and that's where you sort of see that sort of baby out with the bathwater stuff, like yeah. it all just gets thrown away versus, well, what's important? And, and you know, this is the pause. Okay, I'm feeling awful or what have you. I need the pause and I need to really understand what matters. So maybe I need to spend some time defining that. Yeah. Um, and if I can define that, then I can assess whether I am persisting for persisting sake or whether I'm persisting because this really matters to me. Mm. And I'm prepared to actually continue in this. And so it changes the relationship to 
you know, persistence in grid often, you know, at least in, in my view of it, you know, you sort of get this idea of obstacles, 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 right? Mm. Um, and so what really matters here? And it, as, as long as people are persisting from that standpoint, I, I, it's really admirable. The challenge of sitting where we are just because we're afraid of the change or um, afraid of this, you know, because the status quo is just a known quantity versus mm. hitting eject and seeing what happens but you, you know and the planning process around or making alternative options or creating alternative options or yeah it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be I'm, I'm out it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be a sudden response or reaction sorry you can be a carefully measured response to either create the conditions that are, are better for you that recognise what's important to you and allows you to do work that energizes you or what what have you in that example or yeah it can be yeah it's 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 a it's a tough one Um, i I reckon the one that you're talking about how you reconnect with what's important and stay i feel like that's not talked about much i think in my experience if you talked about you know i'm run down and burnt out blah blah blah, Mm. 99 times out of 100 the advice you'll hear is get out of there then yeah <laughs> so that's mm. a different perspective that maybe you should stay and and actually this is part of the challenge is yeah. that no one can tell you yeah you can't get an external answer to that the hardest part is to make that call for yourself that's really you know to sit there and say well actually this is what is important to me and that and this is why i'm choosing to stay or i'm choosing to go or but the the one thing i can definitely share i guess is is that in nearly every instance where someone clarifies what's important to them, whether that's values or vision or you know contribution they want to make or purpose and that sort of stuff, and when they re- really reconnect to that, the, one of the best indicators is, is this idea of almost immediately being able to point to behavior. So what have I done in the past that has brought this value to life and how can I see that either bringing that behavior back in into where I am now and enriching what I'm currently doing or cutting away these three things or figuring out a way of delegating that and making sure that I'm spending more time here or just like, yeah, reshuffling the relationship to the current situation to engage with it differently. And that's the, that's the whole point is not to, it's not acceptance of an acceptance. It's not a passive acceptance. Acceptance is really the, you know, the act of like knowing how you're feeling Right. Um, and being okay with that, that that is a part of what happens in life and then still choosing to do what matters. It's a great question, the stay or leave thing, but mm. really either either of those responses are, re- are a reaction unless you're clear on what matters mm-hmm. to you and how, you, how you're going to move towards that stuff. Right. And it may be that you stay and change the role or stay and change how you engage with stakeholders or various relationships or particular situations or particular people or it might be that you leave and you know really double down on something that is now completely absent from your role and if i think about leaving from blue wire that was the part that i was really passionate about was actually the team right and and how could i develop this team and how could this team be the best it could be and and when we change business models and the result and uh, result of that business model change is that you know we moved to really outsourcing basically every function other than Adam and I, Mm. then the core part that I got the most fulfillment from Mm. was no longer there. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so it took a long time to figure that out. Yeah. And Ads and I, you know, really sort of worked through what that was going to look like, tried everything in terms of staying mm-hmm. until ultimately, you know, made that call and still a shareholder. He's the godfather of my eldest daughter, all this stuff and, yeah. and you know, managed to navigate that really well. But but it's it's a yeah, it was after exhausting all the possibilities and, and, and it took me a while to figure out why. And and I didn't have this this kind of understanding back in those days either. Right. So yeah, but it took a while to sort of really understand why I was no longer really feeling fulfilled around it mm-hmm. uh, by a while i mean probably four or five years okay yep so quite well, a while yeah and yeah and i think you just pay a price for sitting somewhere where you're no longer fit even if it's your own business mm, yeah fair. <laughs> um yeah well we've covered so much <laughs> covered some territory it's cool man <laughs> we have thank you we have it's been a pleasure to to have you come back thanks for coming back and chatting to me it's always it's always interesting to to do the five year time capsule and see what what was said then and then kind of what was said now and mm. and uh, we can do it again in five years if you like and <laughs> Thanks, and see mate. what the um, <laughs> see what it's like then see what the journey's like yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah no it's always I always really appreciate it when someone will come back and update us on on what's going on and and what's happened share their lessons and over the previous well, in this case five years yeah. No, thanks for having me back, but, mate. Yeah, no, thanks thanks a lot. And uh, if anyone wanted to get in touch now with what yep. you're doing, so just tobyajenkins.com is the best place to go, I'm yep. going to assume. Yeah, LinkedIn's all right as well. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, yep. All right, well, thank you, Toby. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for coming back and chatting. Been a pleasure, mate. And uh, yeah, I'll see you in five years. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully sooner. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of The Push Podcast. Show notes can be found at bethepush.com forward slash podcast and clicking on the relevant episode link. Remember to subscribe and I look forward to talking to you again soon.